learning on this bob For a nosy parker it's an interesting job Now it's a job that just suits me A window cleaner you would be If you can see what I can see When I'm cleaning windows Honeymooning couples too You should see them bill and coo You'd be surprised at things they do When I'm cleaning windows In my profession This is Waffle On Podcast. Hello and welcome to Waffle On Podcast. My name is Simon Meddings. And I'm uh, Mark Kelly. And welcome to the show. Today uh, on this episode we are talking about Dad's Army. But first of all, my esteemed colleague, I think we should talk about a certain European Podcast Award. Well, yes, this is a, it, it was the most inauspicious... <laughs> thing because basically my co-host there Hello. was sitting there and then just said halfway through dinner oh look we've come tenth <laughs> and I'm thinking hmm we're saying that in a very laid back way I didn't realise the uh, what it actually meant until I got home and looked at it and I thought oh he actually did quite well there but he said it in such a laid back way it was like as if he was doing it in a very well, we Stephen did. Wright kind of way. <laughs> well, I did give a whoop. Yeah, yeah, but it was <laughs> like a sarcastic whoop. <laughs> there was somebody else in the factory too and went, I did hear you cheer slightly. Yeah. So, yeah, um, a few of you made that. Well, hopefully a lot of you did uh, know because um, we, we got an awful lot of votes. Back in, uh, I think it was October last year, I mentioned that we was uh, been nominated <laughs> by ourselves uh, into the European Podcast Awards. And this is a, a, quite a big thing for Europe. It's, it's took, I think it's been going for two years now. And it really started to take off, um, uh, not so much like the Parsec Awards in, in America. That's the, that's the really big one. Did it have an awards ceremony for this? Or is I it just is it so. an online thing? I think there is a bit of an awards ceremony going on, you know. And, and you've got to get yourself over there. They don't, they, I know. Well, we ain't going to go. We came 10. But. <laughs> and anyway, we was in the category of personality, which makes me feel slightly smug. There almost seems oh, yeah. like we have a personality. Yeah, yeah. That's, Thank you very much. And excuse me, that, that I've just had a, what is it, a vegetarian? <laughs> a very corn egg. A corn egg. And then I went and spilled my water, so I was in <laughs> shock. So excuse me for that. So yes, yeah, so thank you to everybody who voted for us on that for the European Podcast Awards. As I say, we did come 10th. And um, everyone else who came before us, the other nine podcasts, I've never heard of. No, there were some really bizarre ones on there, Well, there was, there was four podcasts called The Bagel Podcast. <laughs> and, and I was thinking to myself... That's the bagel podcast. The bagel podcast presents something, something else, something like that. So they've either got a bloody good listenership, or or they were submitting quite a bit. But about bagels? That, no, I don't know. Well, I'm, I haven't checked it out. So. Well, what the hell? Can you talk about but, 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 but there again, I'm saying, like, I mean, it's just because I haven't heard them. Obviously, somebody else has because that they they did quite well. Um, and anyway, so thank you very much for all those people who voted for us. Um, we are really quite chuffed with coming tenth. We've never really come first, no, no, no. have we? No. Uh, but maybe next year we'll come ninth. Actually, we'll probably come eleventh next year. No, yeah, because no, that's generally what happens with you talk about it, it goes down. Then <laughs> feel pretty good. Um, we'll just quickly mention uh, our Facebook page. We do have a great Facebook page. We have a nice group page. Um, we've got quite a lot of members on there. 
we have a regular few uh, few get, uh, members on that site who uh, post quite a lot, really. Mm. Uh, Is that a certain stormtrooper? Yeah, Anthony Anthony Stud Farm, who uh, who obliterates our page with. Uh, Stop talking about George Lucas at all bloody moments. <laughs> you bloody stalker, leave him be. He loves his George Lucas. Uh, Dan Hughes is on there from Lee and Dan's Midnight Movie Club and uh, and there's a few other guys on there as well you know who you are uh, thank you so much for, for posting please do keep on posting because you keep it alive because Kelly does bugger all right, on yeah. it uh, we have a Twitter well I have a Twitter site called Hawkeye Med you can follow me if you really want to uh, and uh, what else have we got uh, no I've forgotten what else we got oh uh, uh, iTunes that's the thing please leave us feedback on iTunes whatever country you're in if it's the most remotest country in the world, and we do have some strange, some, not some strange listeners, that would be a terrible thing to say, but some listeners in strange places like North Korea. That is, that is very odd, isn't it? I, I don't believe it. I reckon it's an someone... anarchist. Oh, you see, for that one, someone is changing their IP addresses. Oh, I'm going to say, I can't imagine. They, 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 they've got the internet in North Korea, so I don't know how they're There's someone smuggling podcasts over the border. Could be. We could be smuggled. Would you like to be smuggled to North Korea? Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, one of the best ever smuggling scenes was in uh, the James Bond one with Timothy Dalton living daylights where that person's putting a pipe oh, yeah, and no, shot no, across the border. Yeah. I always remember that because it's got oh, the woman who... Uh, <laughs> with the big... Uh, with the big, big... She was, you know what she was in? <laughs> she was in uh, The Life and, Life and Loves of the She-Devil with uh, Tom Baker. Oh, yeah, she was, uh, yeah. yeah. Tom Baker was playing the person you saw yeah, his yeah. backside, which has uh, yeah. scarred me ever since. Actually. Yeah. I could never see him as Doctor Who in the same life. There's <laughs> yeah. a priest being... Uh, from behind. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so, so let's get on to our subject. So, Cal, what do we always do? Play the theme tune. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? If you think we're on the run, we are the boys who will stop your little game. We are the boys who will make you think again. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? If you think old England's done, Mr. Brown goes off to town on the A21, but he comes home each evening and he's ready with his gun. So watch out, Mr. Hitler, you have met your match in us. If you think you can crush us, we're afraid you've missed the bus. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? If you think we're on the run We are the boys who will stop your little game We are the boys who will make you think again Cause who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? Quite a classic theme tune there, uh, Kel. Uh, is it one that you like? It is, because it's also a classic football chant. Because remember, we're all singing it in the pub when England play Germany. <laughs> remember that? We're yeah. not singing it in the pub, but it still comes up every time England play that song. Oh, the English mentality. The English mentality. <laughs> singing like. it about singing a theme tune of we, a sitcom. Well, it's funny because we actually talked about that before on a, on a, a podcast a, a while ago. I think it was under the uh, political satire one, where we turned around and said that the, 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 one of the worst things about being British... Yeah, the people who constantly bang on about the war, and uh, and and once again, we're talking about that now, but with dead army. <laughs> it's quite. It's it's like uh, it's not the albatross around the neck of Britain. Mm. It, it, I don't want to get into too deep, but it's the people who say it's the last great thing that Britain did. 
Yeah, so we've got, we've got that and f- win the 66 World Cup mm. which really yeah, to be fair it. was a bit shit yeah it was a bit crap and not, not everyone loved but everyone supported that and that's what it is so we cannot get away from that because since then we've not really done much well we won the Ashes you talk about sport here I'm talking about oh, right, world sorry. politics I'm saying we <laughs> won the Ashes <laughs> there you go that's all we've got he's winning the Ashes in the World Cup look that suits me perfectly but that's fun. why we talk about it all the while mm. uh, the Falklands yeah, that's, I, I, I agree. There's a lot of people who don't do that. Because, I don't, let's not get into that debate. No, that'll be for another podcast. That'll be another podcast. Uh, yeah, that was a theme tune. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? Now, this was actually wrote by uh, Jimmy Perry, who wrote the lyrics himself and composed the music with uh, Derek Tamer. Now, uh, the the person who sings it is uh, a guy called Bud Flanagan. Who He's really famous. He's really famous. And he got past about 100 guineas, according to uh, our yeah. site here. And unfortunately, Bud Flanagan died less than a year after recording this song. Um, now... We should, we should point out when that, when that theme tune is being played at the beginning we'll do you the title sequence and that's basically you've got the bottom of England the White Cliffs are over that area uh, done as a, of a green country you've got the Blue Sea and then you've got France and Germany and you've got the the, the, um, the swastika symbols coming across in arrows like flying formation and then you've also got the, the, you know, the British arrows quite flying and they're kind of like dogging each other at the end like barking at the yeah. gate aren't they now I wonder I wonder if Dad's army was ever shown in Germany that is a very interesting question. That is, you know, I, weirdly, I was going to bring that up for you yeah. because weirdly they've got more of a sense of humour about it than you think. Oh, definitely. definitely it's a, yeah. it's a bit load of that they can't talk about it. It's, a, it's that's crap. Mm. They do talk about, it. and I think if they watched it, they watched the lower low. Yeah, a low low was big, and you know, and that had even worse German stereotypes in it. Oh, absolutely. Now I remember uh, we got a listener um, uh, who uh, over in Germany. Catherine, who, and I should ask her, but I've not heard of her for a while. But uh, I remember she had a fantastic sense of humour. Really does, doesn't And he- Henning Wen. Yeah, I went and saw the other day. He is hilarious. Yeah, and, and he's got a weird cockney yeah. accent. Well. He does that, and he's really quite funny looking. <laughs> Looks like Ad- Admiral Akbar. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's an, that's an interesting. I'm going to have to. Very answering his ears of print now. Probably don't care now. What Star Wars reference? Star Wars. I'd be at that. I'd be at that. He's got. He'd have to have another bath. Um, <laughs> he'll be spitting. He'll be stroking his beard quite hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, I'd have to ask a deal for sending away if uh, if, um, if they had a lower low in France. Now, that'd be interesting because how would they do Arthur Bostrom's? That is the funniest person, yeah. isn't it? I always think. I don't yeah. wonder if they had it in Italy as well. With uh... they were just pissing past the window. <laughs> um, that was the one I remember. No, that Pete, one. Pete Coleman, our regular guest guest uh, host, Pete Coleman, absolutely adores the lower low. Do you? You know what? I never really used to at the time when I yeah. watched it. Because it, can... it was on Saturday night when we were going out. Yeah, yeah. So, but I've I've watched a few episodes, and you know what? I really, I mean, it's, it's a. It's a bug standard form. Oh, it's broad. It's, it's yeah. It's very very samey. It's a bit like Last Summer Wine. It's a Every episode bit, is basically the yeah, same, it's, isn't it's, it? Yeah. He does some flirting with like you know Vicky v- or Vivette uh, or something like that. He uh, nearly gets cut by, uh, caught out by his wife. I was going to yeah. say cut off by caught his wife. The old woman upstairs. Then there's the Lady Madonna. With and the you got boobies. hair flick and how hair. I'm going to pull her clothes off and shove like swastikas stickers on the nipples or something. Won't <laughs> shoot. And it was. It's like yeah, I couldn't do a podcast about it because no, I think you talk about one episode. And but I think what we could what we could do. Yeah, I think well, I think what we'll do, and, and Patrick Stratford, who, who I'm going to read your comment out later on, mate, uh, sent us, said, look, you know, why don't you do a podcast actually on uh, Jimmy Perry and David Croft? And maybe we will, because they, obviously... Um, uh, I, 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 yeah, no, I think that's a better thing to because do Because we can talk about the whole yeah. lot, like It Ain't Half Up Mom, and that kind of genre, that kind of TV. The, 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 you know, that, like I said, the, the comedy before our time, really. I think that we, we like her, but in generally our comedy chains, when we started seeing... 
like Forty Towers and all, and it was a mm. bit and a bit more in it. Yeah. Didn't it? I, you know, I was brought up on all them comic comedies and I went, no, and bloody hell, I fuck my mum. You'd laugh at them. But then I remember I saw like Blackadder and that changed it. That changed it for me. Why have you got a smirk on your face all now? You know, when you suddenly something comes into your head and you think, I should have told you about this before we started the podcast. Yeah. I'm sorry, listeners, I diverted like that. This morning, because my daughter got me up at five o'clock in the morning, I, had to, I put the TV on and. and Oh, I had to wait around for bloody sea babies to come on. But there's a program on there, a Scottish program called I think it's called um, uh, Me Too or You Too or something like that. Anyway, mm. it's really weird. I think it's made by people who do um, Balamore. Right? Oh, actually, it's quite surreal. Then. Yeah, is that really yeah. Surreal? Basically, Granny Murray is the person who looks after these kids while the other person goes to work. He tells their journey into work and what they do. Anyway, and the reason why I'm thinking it shouldn't come into my head was like, like it ain't half hot. Mum isn't show anymore because of the slightly racist stereotype of it. And I had these, this grand was looking after these two kids, and these two kids were black. Yeah. And she went in, she went in, she goes, well, I like them cheeky monkeys, why should we do that? And I went, oh, I mean, it was purely innocent. Of course, like, it was that's the thing. But it? you know, when you think it's like, you're thinking in the back of your head, going, there's someone out there. Got, there's, yeah. someone, there's some idiot out there who's going to complain yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. that. But sorry for diverting that anyway. Yeah, uh, but it's only because of that I was thinking that you don't get to see an A&R fat mom anymore because of the, 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 the you know, blacky things. We've talked about this Because before. Michael Bates was blacked up to play an Asian guy, even though he was born in India. But yeah, yeah, and no one cared. No one cared. It's enough. not It's not real. real. I hate <laughs> this, if anything. Why yeah. it has to be authentic? No, it doesn't. It's not real. <laughs> Someone else was saying that the other day about... Um, why there was, it was, I think it was on Leon Dan's been on Movie Club. The Goonies, they, they were talking about the Goonies, and they were saying that what makes the Goonies refreshing is all the kids that are in it uh, are as they would be normal kids. You, you're not picking someone up from a different area, a different religion, a different colour, because you've got to have a mixed group of kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, anyway, let's get back onto Dad's Army. Uh, written by Jimmy Perry and David Crockett. By the way, if I put my hands together like that again, slap me. Why? Because every time I rub my hand, it picks up on the microphone. It, must, it annoys me. It must be annoys me. Um, so, written by Jimmy Perry and David Croft. It was directed by Croft, Howell Snowden, Bob Spears. Uh, there was nine series, which is quite a lot, really. It's, for, it's one of the things that you, I don't think I've ever watched, the nine series. I don't think I have, but I must have. I but every time people put the telly on, it's the same ones. Yeah. I know you've got well, them on DVD. I've got them on DVD, but the thing is, I know... I, no, you got the I black and white ones as well. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you about those black and white mm. ones. Now, there's 80 episodes in total, and three of actually lo- uh, three of those are actually lost um, due to the obvious BBC. Uh, uh, We've got to try and that. Is every you know every podcast. The running theme is we'll have a go at the BBC. Do we? <laughs> I know, but then again, it's something we've been brought up with our life, isn't it? And I think I don't think I think the things of wiping the tapes. Obviously, at the time, no one would have thought these things. Are, no, I don't, you know, I disagree. Because years ago, though, it's only like when you think about it. If you make something, if you make a nice plate in Roman times, and you go, "It's a nice plate, that, isn't it?" And you think, "Should we go? New, should we go and buy a new plate?" Yeah, but what should we do? That one? Don't need it. Do I? Let's throw it away. Oh, throw it away. You don't yeah. think about. You know what? In in thousand years time, that plate could be worth a bit of money. You don't think about it. Do yeah, you? But, uh, yeah, but no one else did it. The ITV kept all their stuff. Mm. And American companies kept all their stuff. I know the BBC didn't have a lot of money in the seventies, and they didn't have the technology to transfer it over to anything. No, but I, they, I, they did the bounce back TV thing, didn't they? Yeah, and I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd love to know what went on behind there. They couldn't have find, found some other way of keeping these programs. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, because it's their history. Yeah, no, I know it's money. And, oh, and hindsight is a wonderful. Yeah, thing. it is a wonderful thing. But the only reason I'm not not totally agreeing with you there is because uh, I'm a little bit more conscious of us constantly slacking off the BBC, and we'll do that on a separate podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, produced by David Croft, uh, each episode was round about thirty minutes long. It aired originally from the 31st of July 1968 
to the 13th of November 1977. It's a long time, that. Good run, good run, isn't it? Uh, now, the show's main characters. Uh, we're going to talk about the actors a little bit later on, but these are the main uh, main characters and, and uh, who they are. Uh, the main uh, character is Captain George Mannering, played by the wonderful Arthur Lowe, a wonderfully pompous bank manager who takes it upon himself to be the leader of the Warmington-upon-Sea Warmington Home Guard. Sergeant Arthur Wilson, played by John Lemizurier, uh, Wilson is very much of the upper class structure, something that riles Mannering quite a bit. Uh, he's the second in charge of the bank and also the second in charge of the platoon. Uh, Wilson was a captain in the First World War and he lodges with the Pike family and his Pike's biological father. Okay, mm. And that is confirmed by the writers. Uh, Lance Corporal Jack Jones, played by Clive Dunn. Uh, now, Jack Jones was born in 1870. He was an old campaigner who joined up as a drummer by age 14 and participated as a boy soldier in the Gordon Relief Expedition of 84 to 85 and as a soldier and campaigner of Kitchener in the Sudan, 96 to 98. Private Joe Walker, played by James Beck. Uh, a spiv. He was basically a black market guy, you know. Yeah, he was that. He was that. Uh, carry yeah. on anyway. We'll talk about the character. Uh, he was the only fit, able-bodied man of military age in Warmington upon Sea's Home Guard, and his absence from the regular armed forces was due to, was due to a corned beef allergy. <laughs> uh, Private Frank Pike, played by Ian Lavender, very much a mommy's boy. He's a bit weak, but only because he dare not upset his mother. He works for Manning as an assistant bank clerk. Private James Fraser, played by John Laurie, a dour Scottish coffin maker and a chief petty officer on HMS Fiant in the Royal Navy, who served at the Battle of Jutland as a ship's cook. Private Charles Godfrey, played by Arnold Ridley, he is the, pa- uh, the platoon's medical orderly, who was always caught getting short and needed to be excused, a conscientious objector during World War I, but he was nevertheless awarded a military medal for heroic actions during the war and demonstrated bravery in the Home Guard. Now, that was an episode that was featured in there, where they all turned their back on him when they found out he was a, a um, conscientious objector. Yeah, yeah. But they turned, they found uh, medals in his... I think it was in his drawer. Stretch your bear yeah, and, and, and they said, how, how come you got medals if you... And he goes, well, because I, I saved loads of lives. Yeah. Suddenly it all kind of makes sense a little bit. Uh, APR Warden William Hodges, played by Bill Pertwee, the platoon's major rival and nemesis. He was looked down upon uh, by Manamin for being a common greengrocer. As an APR Warden, though, he was always doing that people put that light out. That was his catchphrase. Uh, supporting actors, we'll just read these through. There's Mavis Pike, uh, played by Janet Davis. Mrs. Fox, played by Pamela yeah. Condell. The Reverend Timothy Farthing, played by Frank Williams, who's the uh, now the patron of, I believe, the patron of the uh, Dad's Army, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, fan club, kind fan of, club yeah. appreciation society, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Mavis Eatman, played by Edward Sinclair. Private Sponge, played by Colin Bean. And Private Cheeseman, by, played by, and this is a Welsh name, so I do apologise, our Welsh listeners, Talfin Thomas. Yeah. There's quite a good uh, ensemble there. Uh, but we'll talk about the actual actors uh, later on. Um, any of those, those characters? Who's your favourite character out of all? Of them? Out of all of them, mm. you know what it was. Um, it, it was uh, Walker. Was it really? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Just you know, if I close my eyes now and I think of the of the, the characters I like, mm. it was Walker and. Um, no, I, uh, did I like? Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. I'd say Walker and Godfrey. And Godfrey, yeah. You, you know, I just I like Godfrey. I just like Godfrey. Yeah. Because he was so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was so and like I said, I'll talk more about this later yeah, on as we go yeah. through the podcast. That the, if, if far from anything, they don't tell me work nice. Some of them trying to be vicious killers, but 
he was really nice and Walker I don't know he always had the, he was always thinking mm. I was, he was always thinking of a scheme oh, make, yeah of. and that's why I liked him and I thought he was, the, he was the interesting character because then people during the war sort of were hated by the government they kept the they, they kept, kept everything kept going. going yeah. Most people used them. Mm. Oh, I would have done. Yeah, it's a horrible thing to say. Mm. But we've talked about this. But when we were growing up in the seventies, when we were growing up in the seventies, you know, people knew dodgy people mm-hmm. who get them stuff. Yeah, because no one had any money. No, I mean that's gone away now. That has, you don't it? you don't ever get anymore a bloke walking into the pub with a ham <laughs> or some roast beef. Hey, I want to buy some meat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, how much of that? Yeah, that, and that's, that's his Sunday dinner. You don't get that anymore, do you? No, I said all them days have gone now because mm. I think the lines are so, you know, so fixed now, you know, good and bad. But then, you know, especially it would have been during the war, oh, you know, you run out of meat. Mm. He comes knocking your door, do you want to buy some meat? You're going to have it, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. No. And you know, a, a, a darker side of this story as well, most, a lot of the, not most, it's a bad thing to say, but a lot of the women paid with sex. Mm. It's well known because I don't know money. Yeah. Where are the husbands? They're off fighting. <laughs> they ain't gonna know about it. It's a well known fact. This is. I read a book. Yeah, called, I've got it. a book called uh, The Home Front: The True Story, mm. and I read all about these. And it was a lot darker going on. Mm. Remember, most cr- loads of criminals made their name. Frankie Fraser made his name during the Second World War. <laughs> Frankie Fraser. Robin mm. tights and selling them to housewives. Yeah. This is the way, you know, the unofficial economy. I know it's bad, because you all should have been pulling together. But I always like the characters like that in a programme. Mm. Oh, he's the one, he's thinking, he's a nice guy, but he's, after himself. he's only acting for himself. I, I'm just wondering how many people who listen to this podcast now are thinking, I hope my nan didn't do that. <laughs> what have you done? You know, this big idea that, you know, uh, you know everyone was uh, really supportive of the war effort. You know, with this, well, I'm getting away from it, but it's, uh, it's, well, it's, to, do, it's to do with the Well, interesting war. story. That when Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill never left London, we're, like, we're all in it together. When he went to the East End, East End of London and we went through waving his hat mm. on a stick, housewives come out and threw bricks at him. Because <laughs> they said, it's all right for you, you're in your bum shelter. Yeah. We're in an Anderson shelter. Now, they can no. t- explain to Americans what an Anderson okay. shelter was. Uh, an you Anderson had, did you have one in your back garden? We do at the moment. Where we live now. Did Woody have one when we used to go around to Woody's house? Someone's with him because Someone we always go look at it, yeah. didn't we? Now, I, there's a, where I live, there's a museum literally a minute up the road called uh, Avoncroft Museum. Wonderful place. They've got an a, a original TARDIS there. Well, mm. police box. Mm. Anyway, that's the thing. And they have a prefab house, which is a prefabricated house, which is houses built after the war. And they've also got the Anderson shelter there. Which, there's two types of Anderson shelters. There's the one which is basically just a square box with a corrugated roof on yeah. and some wooden benches to sit on. And the other one, even worse, which is the poor version, now I don't know if it's called Anderson shelter, is just a circular piece of corrugated metal. Now, even on an Anderson shelter, if a bomb lands on your house and blows up, it's going to blow your shelter up. If it lands on top of it, you're dead anyway. They're absolutely useless. Do we use all it was? Was it was propaganda? It, it was making people think they're all right. Really, gas masks was a little bit like that as well. I mean, they, oh, they you wouldn't have had time. Yeah. And you know, it's an, it, these are the you know the, the built made people build all the Anderson shuttles. Most of them didn't even go in them. I talked to my nan about this. They just didn't. They went to bed. What are you going to do if the it lands on? Well, <laughs> the best place, the best place, if a bomb's coming down, even if you hit your house, was under the stairs. Yeah. And they proved that on time team when they did that when they dropped the bomb. To see what the what the the actual yeah the blitz thing the demonstrating what a bomb would do so and it was virtually all the times the bit that survived was under the stairs. Well, it's it's, it's all linked up, isn't it? That this idea well, that everyone was everyone well, was brilliant, everyone supported the the, the, the 
There was loads of people who did. Don't, don't you think? I mean, the, the, the most important thing is even, and we talk about this now, especially after the Second World War. But the the best thing the media can ever do is to give positivity towards any situation. Um, and we've said that, especially over the past few years, we've had a lot when we went into recession. So on the news, just say, oh, it looks like Britain could be back in the recession because we haven't made any profit in the third quarter. Our company's certainly not in the recession, oh, and neither is a lot of other places. But if the media turned around and went, you know what, everything's all right, we're doing well. That there wouldn't be any recession. Well, there would be a little bit, but it wouldn't be as bad. You wouldn't be allowed and, to do it. Yeah, and but you'll never get modern media now doing pro, uh, oh, no, popular no. propaganda because they just don't do it. And it, no one. Who, I mean, I, I I watch the news, but the reason why I get pissed off the news because they never report anything good. That never used to be the case. It used to be the case where they produce that they, they do the odd good bit of news. And well, actually, the only good bit they do now is about some cat yeah. who's blown out of a tree or something and landed on a roof, and they got the policeman got him down. It's never about anything. I don't, it's just the way the whole media's gone now. It's become very cynical. Mm. And I don't expect... I don't want Fox News. No. <laughs> I'm not expecting Fox News. You know, that's have going in. I just want something that's more realistic, that tells you a broad spectrum of what's happening in the news. Mm. My worst thing is, like, you know, last year, Fukushima, it was nearly on a nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> it's not been mentioned on the news since. No. I was thinking, I want to know... So and what do we do now? Yeah, I'll go onto the internet and find myself. Yeah. This is why all news agencies have become become redundant in mm. ten years. People will find their own news if you want yeah, to. Find I, it. I read more, virtually all of my news online. Yeah, you know, and I do, and it's like, you know, as you say, you don't hear any more anything about that nuclear. Uh, and apart from apart from Simon Mayo turning around saying that it would take five million bananas to give you the same kind of advantage point, that's a fact. Well, there's loads of things you think about. What happened in Haiti a year and a half ago? Mm. What's what's going on there? You know, like I said, you need to get thinking. You, you want to know one week, and then you forget. I like to know. We get away from this point, you know. <laughs> but, but it's all the. It's all that I know. What you're saying it's all the thing. A lot of it, you know, them Anderson shouters were just a complete joke. Mm. I remember my nan saying, "No, we just stopped in the house because if they're lenses that was how a lot of people were. But that weren't talked about. No. Most people were quite. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Fatalistic. Yeah. If I'm not, I ain't getting up out of bed. I'd rather die in my bed than die in an Anderson shouter. Mm. Yeah. Well, look at the way in, the, in, the, in, the, in London, you're not allowed to go in down to the uh, the tube. So what did everyone do? Went down to the tube and survived. Yeah. I mean, what is she doing? It's underground. I know. That's what I'm doing. Been there since shelter. Yeah, go in the Or uh, don't go down our park. Uh, don't yeah. go down the Victoria line. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to get one over by a train. I'm not getting one over. Do it down. Typical. Anyway, back to the, the podcast. <laughs> yes. We are seriously wafting on there. Um, now, the closing credit. <laughs> of, uh, I'm just want to mention this. Because uh, it's a nice little uh, homage here. The closing credits of the show, obviously, we'll talk about the show, um, uh, are, is a homage to the 1944 film The Way Ahead, which had covered the training of an everyman platoon during the war. So it's got John Mills in, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and it was film. released as a propaganda film yeah. in 1943. In both instances, each character is shown as they walk across a smoke filled battlefield. One of the stars of Dad's Army, John Lorry, also appeared in that film and his performance in the end credits of The Way Ahead appears to be copied in the oh, sitcom coincidentally the film's lead character played by David Niven is named Lieutenant Jim Perry oh that's quite interesting that's I quite didn't know that I like that film even though you watch it you think it's not watching the uh, Green Berets isn't it with John, 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 Wayne. John Wayne it's a good film but you think oh god this is proper <laughs> yeah yeah it's like so it's time, like Sherlock Holmes film you know, that was the first time I'd saw an actor out of Star Trek because he's in it uh, Walter Kaining. Or was it... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Sue, okay. Sue, Sorry, uh, George Takei. It's the first time... <laughs> it's the first time I'd saw anyone out out of Star Trek in another thing. Oh. And he's terrible, isn't he? <laughs> oh, my. Well, what a surprise. He's not yeah. the greatest of actors, is he? 
He's best role is when he's in uh, Big Bang Theory. <laughs> he keeps popping up every time he's trying to tempt Charlton, isn't he? <laughs> uh, is Lennon Nimoy is going to be a voice in the Big Bang Theory. He's come out of retirement just to do a voice. Ah, uh, must uh, be doing a Star Trek episode. Uh, uh, well, he always does Star Trek. Okay, so on to the television series. As we said, there was nine, uh, nine series and there was 80 episodes in total, including three Christmas specials and an hour-long special. At its peak, the programme regularly gained audiences of 18.5 million. It's crazy, isn't it? Which is fantastic. There was also four short specials broadcast as part of Christmas Night with the Stars, and that was in 1968, 69, 1970, and 1972. Three episodes from Series 2 are missing, and one from Episode 3 uh, only survives in black and white, although now with modern technology, they have re that. And, uh, and put it back in so you can't yeah. believe it, you know by the way that no one's ever thought of remaking them episodes that they've missed well interestingly they have and I'll tell you about is that the stage later. thing it is indeed yeah because we were going to go yeah. and it was like yeah. mega expensive it was really it? expensive yeah and it's like a bit, little, little bit annoying but we'll talk about that wait 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 <laughs> Yeah, well, we'd better video. Yeah, better we'd come there. I think English listeners know what we're right. talking about, especially when we mentioned his name later. Right? <laughs> uh, very apt to his EastEnders name. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so the, the, it was originally, originally intended to be called the Fighting Tigers, and uh, Dad's Army was based uh, partly on Jimmy Perry's real life experience in the local Defence Volunteers, later known as the Home Guard. Perry had been 17 years old when he joined the 10th Hertfordshire Battalion and uh, with a mother who didn't like him being out at night, hence the reason why you yeah. get the, the uh, thing for Pike. Now, uh, an elderly Lance Corporal in his uh, outfit uh, used to, was referred to fighting under Kitchener against the Fuzzy Wuzzies. Yeah, so, so that's, that's where that's so so yeah. And proved to be a perfect role model for Jones. Perry wrote the first script and gave it to David Croft, who, while working as a miner, Act, uh, was a minor actor uh, in the sitcom Hugh and I now Croft was originally intended to be the role of Walker oh. an actor, yeah. uh, now he was that impressed with it or Jim, uh, Jim Croft was one of the two uh, he was that impressed with the script that he sent it to Michael Mills who was the head of comedy at the BBC at that time and he commissioned it straight away which is pretty good isn't it really again going back to the days of like when you could actually write a script go in there and say oh, yes, yeah we'll have it yeah well you, well, you can't do it now you, you no. can't do it now because if you write a script, don't matter how good, good we want, you'd never, one, you'd have to go and move to London. Mm. And, or Salford. Or, well, yeah, because well, yeah, we're nothing, are we? Nothing, are we? No, no, no. Nothing, BBC, thank you, the BBC, again, uh, <laughs> well, thank you, the BBC, for taking away BBC Birmingham, who, yeah, yeah. who make And uh, spent coast. loads of, what was it, you were telling me, how much money is it costing them to rent that media city? It's something ridiculous, it's something, isn't it? It's in the millions. It's in the millions. <laughs> and, oh. And we've lost coast, We've lost the Harry Bikers. Who was, Something uh, for the weekend. Something for the weekend, which is now moved to Channel Four and is better. I watched it on Four Eight. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah, so it's all gone to Bristol, which apparently Bristol is, according to a recent survey, uh, people go out in Bristol more than anywhere else. The least place where people go out uh, only two times a month is Edinburgh. Is it? Yeah, that's a fact for you. you that's a good fact. It's cold up north, yeah. Scotland, isn't it? Okay, no. <laughs> the seaside town of Wilmington and Sea is actually filmed at. Thetford, which is in uh, Norfolk. I've, I've, yeah, have been there. Uh, I'm going there in September. Have oh, they got anything about Dad's Army there? Yeah, they've got the Dad's Army Museum there. There's a nice statue of uh, Captain Manorin sitting on the bench. Uh, and obviously they've got all the filming locations. But we're going to um, Great Yarmouth in September. And we've got to drive through that way. So I'm going to stop off. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Have, cool. a, have a cake. And yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, might as well do. 
Uh, I nearly went to see where Lord Creatures Going Small was filmed when I was up in Masham, but it was a little bit too much to the left. And Is there anything there about that? Filming locations. I'm not too sure if the James Herriot Museum's there. I think that might be somewhere else, but uh, oh. yeah, so I plan on going there. Be like, actually, I know you're not a great fan of Last of Summer Wine, but the place there at Homeforth is beautiful. I'm going there. I'm going all there. It's like, where's the bath? Oh, where's, where's the bath tub? Where every is time it? there's that. <laughs> I think actually there is a model of it. I bet there is. I bet there is. There is a model well, of it. And his wellies. I bet there is. This is upside down. Yeah. I love it. Anyway, the first episode, The Man and the Hour, began with a scene set in the present day of 1968 in which Mannering addresses his old platoon as part of the contemporary I'm Backing Britain campaign. The prologue <coughs> opening was a condition imposed after initial concerns by Paul Fox, uh, the controller of BBC at that time, that he was belittling the efforts of the Home Guard. After Mannering relates how he backed Britain in 1940, the episode proper begins Dad's Army as told in flashback, although the final episode does not return to the present. Later episodes were largely self-contained, a bit referring to previous events of additional character development. Of course, one of the biggest problems of that um, is, of course, uh, James Beck is in that scene. <laughs> and, of uh, course, obviously, unfortunately, James Beck dies. Um, what, what's your opinion on... Um, I've always thought about this on comedy, Yeah. generally. Do you prefer self-contained episodes or do you prefer a story arc running all the way through it? Do you, do you mean this as a, as a viewer or as a writer? As a viewer, I'm just told this is a bit okay. of viewing experience. Um, do you like it where you can miss an episode and it doesn't matter, or do you prefer it where oh well, I, I, the mate, the, the you know the producer or whatever will say right, I want you to watch all twelve episodes. You know what? No, because I like. I mean, Doctor Who's notorious for that and doing the arts. I, I actually like standalone episodes. You like, but but saying that, I appreciate I, I appreciate it more then with an episode online mentions something that happened in the past. I think that's better because you think. They mentioned that I oh, met. Do you remember that episode? Blah, yeah. blah 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 blah, and it's quite nice. That is. And then even if you had missed this episode, you, you wouldn't know what's going on there. I'm a big fan of suits. And is I, that self-contained or is that? A st- there's little no because there's a thin there story is a, that there is a thread through. going through it. And I watched two episodes last night, and it's a penultimate episode on Tuesday. And I sat there thinking, why is she on about? I don't remember them kissing. What's happening? And I've missed episode ten. I don't uh, know how. Uh, I don't know that's how. Really annoying. And it's really annoying. So I'm thinking, what happened there? Why did they kiss? So I had to go online and read about it, which isn't that much fun. Um, so they kind of ruined it for me a little bit. And that's happened to me in the past. That happened with Lost. Well, I missed two episodes. I yeah. went back. I'm totally got, and I ended up dump, dumping the whole <laughs> series. And I'm the toast fan. So I, I prefer standalone episodes. But every now and again, just mentioning stuff in the past. What about you? I, I like I like the story arc you do yeah. I, I, because when I watch TV I want to get like a book yeah. I, this is why I like American TV I want 16 episodes 16 mm-hmm. hours of one story yeah. now if it, I know there must be some fringe fans out there you know there's a story arc which is running now for 82 episodes <laughs> and it only it was explained last week but does it does the writing of that falter slightly because of how it much, does yeah. because they're trying to put it in there mm. but I like that is there, a bit, is there a bit then in every episode where I think right we need to cram in this little well, bit no what you usually get it's like generally any American TV fans will know this you'll get most episodes of 42 minutes you'll get 35 minutes of a standalone story then 7 minutes at the end you'll think right they'll put the put a story in right. so realistically you could just watch the last 7 minutes of every episode mm. it's like with The Apprentice really you could speed it up and just watch the boardroom bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you could do that. Yeah, I thought about this. You could skip all the other stuff mm. out and just watch because it explains all the best parts mm. of it and then you know he's being shut down. Yeah, because when you think about it, that's on for about 50 minutes. 
and then the boardroom scenes around about 25 minutes long it's most of it now from a, from, from a writer if I put my writer's head on from a writer's point of view the script I've just showed you there that no one sees apart from the producer um, that's that's actually is an arc going all the way through it yeah. because it's a linear story it's heading towards a principal matter at the end yeah and also the other story that I wrote with the Martians are here that's got a main story and you ha- and I deliberately referred plot put stuff in mm. in Martians are here there was a, a gold envelope which we wrote just a, on a convers- telephone conversation yeah. and I slipped that in in every episode so I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite there because I do it as a writer but from a viewer when I turn, want to turn off I prefer, I prefer it. it's, that, but, that, but that might be the reason why though that could be the reason why I spend all of my time writing stories and putting little arcs in and getting right. Now, when I come to sit down, I don't want to do that. Well, exactly. Well, you know, the perfect example, you know, the perfect example that David Lean, David Lean would put so much into it mm. that similarly liked was Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was, even though it weren't simple, no, no. it was simple to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lauren Hardy is most yeah. interesting to watch, but very common. No, you can't, you know, I think you can be both. I was just, I, I was very interested in that because the story arc is not something in Britain we do a lot really is it no not really I think Doctor Who is probably the and the, yeah it's not Blackadder you can watch any episode of Blackadder and it doesn't matter if you watch any of the others does it no no not really it really doesn't there's no there's no, no, there's no, there's no story no, no, really. even Only Falls and Horses really there's it's little bits only, only the later episodes the, yeah the early but ones they, but they did the right thing as well they refer back to the odd occasions I think the later one because when they started to do about Freddy the Frog that was a little bit different yeah you know because we were finishing it weren't they mm. so let's just give a little bit of brief thing about the actual TV programme as you say it started off with uh, when Second World War started um there's a danger that Germany is going to be attacking Britain, uh, part propaganda by the Nazi party, part realistic. Yeah, it was only because of uh, one, we had a, we had a, a great sea, <laughs> and also the wind was on our side an awful lot of the time. Uh, Palm Scotland, they invited them. Um, but the government decided that we needed help, we were in desperate hours. So, in case we were invaded, they wanted to get every person involved who wanted to work who could be involved and back then of course it was a great British spirit and start up the home it was empire the empire, yeah, it was empire so yeah. and so everyone then was able to get like brooms sticks and that was a joke and it was shown the first episode it wasn't a joke, we, did, we didn't have rifles there was no there was no well most of our weapons had been left in France and we had to bloody go in Dunkirk and yeah. leg it <laughs> do a quick run we left there <laughs> so uh, people was encouraged to bring out their, their own personal weapons their you know farmers had shotguns knives bayonets swords you know military replica stuff spades brooms anything you could get a whole brooms with a kitchen knife on the end and this is how the home guard started and slowly that was issued with uh, uniforms uh, and this is how the basic dad's army starts off Mannering uh, takes control and becomes the uh, the leader because he's the le- you know he's the, the bank manager who mm-hmm. at that time was the most important person in the village basically uh, and obviously Wilson would be second in command and this is how Dad's Army was and typically each Dad's Army episode would be about you know a scenario in the hall where they'd have the line up the, the, you know, each character would have a, a catchphrase like Jones was uh, they don't lock it up him. Um, uh, John Lowry's character Fraser was Lord Doom, Doom. That said all Lord Doom. Doom. Yeah. Uh, Mannering would be stupid boy against Pike uh, John Lemaire's character Wilson would be awfully nice you know and all that kind of stuff and this is how virtually every episode went but it was filmed on locations we're saying Thetford so there was a lot of studio work there was a lot of location was work it a lot, was it an audience 
I, you know what I don't know yeah, actually, they didn't do sure an Arab audiences then did they no not really um, but each episode is, is really enjoyable and the BBC, BBC 2 show every Saturday I believe it's, it's in, about, in, yeah. around about 6 o'clock 7 o'clock still on BBC 2 and still gets a yeah. fantastic audience and with me you know it was the first time I'd really watched the thingy and thought oh there's a there's something more to this mm. with the class yeah yeah because you know Manning was over Wilson mm. but Wilson was far Wilson superior was, yeah, seriously, yeah. there was the classic one with the golf club isn't there yes yeah, but even though he's above him well, he's a member of the that, golf that's club that's because he becomes um, he, he gets something for the post doesn't he where he, he gets a title or something like mm-hmm. that or something and he goes, oh, yeah, I haven't teared the golf club off it. Nice. And, and Manu was like, oh, I've been trying to get in there for two years. He goes, well, I'd rather choose it. Yeah, that's you know, the thing. And, and he always had it open, yeah, didn't he? And that's they? always nice about Wilson, the way that he was able to do that, but in such a nice nice. Well, that was the first time I, I remember watching that and remember talking to mum and dad, okay, what's, you know, what's going on that? And my mum and my dad saying, oh, because well, he's like upper class, he's mm. going to be upper class, and he's only middle class. Like I, you know, I know, you know, Americans and other people think we talk about this kind of thing quite a lot. But really, it's moulded our TV, moulded mm. our cinema, moulded our books, moulded everything, our art. Everything has come from the class struggle. Mike Lee, he makes films about the class struggle still. And yeah. people in Britain lap it up. Look at Downton Abbey. Yeah, What's the yeah. main thing that, that it's about class? It's about class. Upstairs, downstairs, it says it in mm. the title. And we're, we're still, we're still factuated. That's an idea. You can't help it. People who say there's no classism in Britain that are lying, that is, that always will be. Mm. And it doesn't matter, it's got nothing to do with, I've told this before, it's got nothing to do with money. No. It's your status. Yeah. Manorin had more money than Wilson, because Wilson weren't that rich. No, because Wil- and Wilson, when you think about it, was living with Pike's mum. Yeah. And it's, it is, as the writers say, Wilson is actually Pike's dad yeah although he's never referred to although there's, there's an awful lot of hints he's called Uncle Wilson isn't there there's yeah. an awful lot of hints in it and so that's probably where he gets he's, he's lost his crown a little bit because of what, he, what he's been doing well each character is so well wrote so nice say you like Walker because the spear well I think even John Lowry John Lowry John Lowry yeah John Lowry quite an interesting role well, well, we'll talk about it because we'll talk about each of <laughs> I the I think characters. he's sort of like the um, who was it he was like thingy in America weren't he uh who was it? Who was who like the drugs and that? He lived with Davin even. Oh, uh, D- Douglas Fairbanks. D- yeah, he liked yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And it's not thing he liked it. Caddy Grant. Caddy Grant, not the LSD. He, he <laughs> was, yeah, he was one of the big advocates for LSD. Um, now, uh, shall we play a clip? We've only got one clip. It's just too, it's too hard to find. Too hard. Now, what I will say, there is a great podcast out there done by James oh, Rockcliffe yeah. and his friend Oliver, who uh, James is most well known for doing the uh, the Doctor Who podcast with uh, Trevor and uh, and Tom. Uh, it's called the Dad's Army podcast. Um, he's kind of not winding it down, but he's going on because um, he's so busy with the Doctor Who one. He's still going to produce Dad's Army, but he's got some like sixty-nine episodes already out there devoted to Dad's Army. So if you want to uh, find out a little bit more, a little bit more in detail, then please do go find the Dad's Army yeah, podcast. Yeah. It's a wonderful podcast, and they have a lot of interviews. They've had interviews with Frank Williams, who, who plays the vicar, the clergy in, uh, in Dad's Army, and they've had a lot of interviews with Jimmy Perry and David Croft. And, and other guests uh, in it so please do head over there so we're going to play this clip it's only one clip and this is the most well known clip uh, that's always shown on TV so I do apologise if you go oh it's that clip but otherwise we'd be playing we're doomed and they don't like it up and all that kind we of stuff we just don't know the catchphrase yeah and you, I'm, I'm sure you don't want that and, and if you do want that you can find it on YouTube anyway so let's play this clip uh, from Dad's Army Well soon. yes sir come here right. Jones yes sir right, Jones some conference here yes, <clears throat> <laughs> the armed escort can't get here before morning. 
So we've got to keep these chaps all night. Well, in that case, we really better chop their buttons off. No. <laughs> Put that thing away. Now, I'm going to have a word with these prisoners. You can't speak any German, can you, sir? They'll know by the tone of my voice that I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> they recognise authority when they see it. Yeah. You'd better come with me. Yes, of course. <laughs> now, Peter! Oh, I say, they're awfully well disciplined, aren't they, sir? Nothing of the sort. A slavish, blind obedience. I'll take the, I'll take the cheerful... Discipline of our own jolly Jack, Jack Tiles. <clears throat> I tell you, Wilson, they're a nation of automatons, led by a lunatic who looks like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> oh, dare you compare our glorious leader with that non-Aryan clown. Oh, I oh, am making notes, Captain. And your name will go on the list. <laughs> and when we win the war, you will be brought to account. Write what you like. You're not going to win this war. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Whistle while you work. Hitler is a twerk. He's half army, so's his army. Whistle while you work. Your name will also go on the list. What is it? Don't tell him, Pike. Pike. <laughs> okay, a great clip there. And uh, that had, as the German officer, uh, Philip Maddock, who um, sadly recently passed away. Uh, Philip had been in uh, an awful lot of television films. Didn't they well. see him? In, yes, at the memorabilia film, yeah. November, and we didn't get his autograph, which is just typical. But I um, can remember that. It's coming back his arse. Yeah, well, let's not go to that. We mentioned it on the last podcast. <laughs> um, but he, he has a wonderful voice. So uh, have a look up uh, Philip Maddock, and um, he reads, uh, I think it's a Poe poem on, uh, uh, on YouTube, and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. But one of the other things he was in was an episode of Porridge, which, of course, we've covered on a, an earlier Waffle Eye episode, in which he talks about the frog. And he says, and I do apologise for doing the Welsh, Welsh but he says, he says he goes, uh, do you want to know an interesting fact about the frog? It hasn't, like me, an incredible sexual appetite, <laughs> which is just brilliant. But uh, that's a wonderful scene. Now, Cal, you pointed something out as we was listening to that. I said, if you, you, you actually listen to that, it, it's a really good surmise of the whole, what it was all about, really, because it's the big class issue in there. Mm. Because, obviously, um, uh, Wilson can speak German. Yeah. Because he's educated in a, probably in a public school. And he don't want him to do it. No. He'd rather still bluster through with his tone of his voice, yeah. acting like like a dictator, because mm. he does act like a dictator. Well, that, well uh, that's what, um, what Warden Hodges calls him, calls him Napoleon, doesn't he? Because, it, yeah, that's what he is. That, it's all about power for him. Yeah. He doesn't really care that they're fighting the Germans. No. It's not about it, because really, he's nothing. He might be the bank manager, but he's got nothing. No. He hasn't got a happy marriage, as is one of the most heartbreaking episodes. Oh, I'm so glad when he's at the that. train station. So, yeah, so, so, just give us a little bit of a thing. Well, basically, um, it's if uh, he, he meets a woman, doesn't he? And mm. you never see his wife. The it, only time you see his wife is there's a scene where they're in uh, the shelter on a bunk bed, and it's just her backside. It's, it's, a, it's like a classic joke in British things, isn't yeah. it? Er indoors in Minder. Yeah. It happens low. Colombo. It happen- it's a classic thing in all TVs, and you never see the partner. Who was Mrs. Colombo? You never saw her? Yeah, but, no, but there was, an, there was a, a spin off TV series called Mrs. Colombo. Was that? Yeah, and do you know who played her? Who? Oh, you're going to love this I one. I don't know, man. Am I going to get around the pool for this yeah, one? Kate Mulbrew. Oh! Captain Janeway. Oh, I'm actually, I remember <laughs> you telling me about this. I thought you were just talking about one of your Janeway fantasies again. So that was careful, Jane. I thought I saw my entire life. There was something very, very hard about it. You fancied Harry Kim, didn't you? <laughs> I'd love to have punched Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> but anyway, yeah, right. Worst character ever. ever. <laughs> Worse than Will Wheaton. <laughs> no, because Will Wheaton, he's, he's kind of. And he said to himself, nothing seriously. Uh, Will Wheaton, he's awesome. Anyway, we'll go back. Wait, wait. Anyway, there's an episode, there's only one episode where he basically he meets a woman mm. and he falls in love with her, doesn't he? Yeah. And, but, it's, and it's, it's true love as well, isn't it? it? Yeah, because he understands him. Yeah. Because it's a classic thing again. He's misunderstood, isn't he? Do you... No, you, you carry on before. He's I a very misunderstood character, really, because when he comes... I know it seems corny, but he's bluster because, basically, he gets no love at home. Mm. Mm. And that's what it is. He's an undermined person, and everyone undermines him, don't they? Yeah. Wilson undermines him. Yeah. The, the, the warden undermines him. Bird, Pike yeah. undermines mm. him. Everywhere he goes, he undermines him. His wife... But he meets this woman mm. and he falls in love with her and he asks her to stay with him and yeah. he's going to leave his wife. But she leaves him at the end and she at the train station goes yeah. to London. And it's one of the saddest... It's, it, was, it was a very... You know, it was not, wasn't a serious thing. It, never, it wasn't... But it was a beautiful scene. It was scene, a beautiful scene because he's at the station, isn't he? Oh, it's... it's, it's and you think, oh, is he crying? Scene. Is yeah. he crying? You don't it's know. It's that scene where you think... You realise... How much of a good actor Arthur oh, was, and also the writing for that was so super. He must have looked at that and thought, "Here we go, acting chops time." Yeah, because he didn't have anything to do in that. Really, he was a ridiculous character. Do you think Ricky Gervais was inspired by that with the end of uh, with the end of the Office? I'd love, I'd love to know because I, you know, I know he talks about, but very rarely Ricky Gervais. Talks about what he grew up mm. watching, apart from the obvious Blackadder Forty Towers in mm. Britain. But I'd love to because I'm sure some of his, some of his um, David Brent character is Mannering. Because yeah. Mannering was a, how much he did, you could never hate him. No. And that we've talked about this recently, haven't we? Because we talk about we're going to do a, a, an office podcast. I don't want to go too much into it. Yeah. But whatever he does in that, you don't hate him. No, I started watching The Office again yesterday. So, we'll, it, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. You know, you, you, can, you just can't help but feel sorry for him. Yeah. There's another episode of, uh, of Dad's, uh, Dad's Army which really does stick in my, in my mind. Apart from the one that we mentioned about Godfrey where, where they turned his back on him because they found out he was a conscience object. But there was one, and I think it was called, and I know James will be throwing fruit at the screen now. Uh, I think it's two feathers or three feathers, you know, the white feathers. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he was going back to his old army days. And this bloke had come along and accused him of being a coward. And, and all that which of course was a lie he was trying to get his own back and they showed it in flashback of what happened and it was all the characters of Dad's army at playing the roles of he's in the army exactly. and Clive Dunn's playing what he looks like normally without all his makeup oh, on because he was younger because obviously Clive Dunn is not that the age he was because you look at Clive Dunn now and he looks looks like, he's like he looks like Jones yeah, yeah. so he's got darker hair and it, but it's a wonderful and, and a walker oh, doesn't have any stuff so it's, it's called I think it's two feathers or Feathers or something, but look it up on YouTube. It is available on YouTube. It's a wonderful. It's like, I remember this. Look, they did have some weird episodes. It was that episode when it went back and showed him in the bank, didn't it? Where they're all working in the bank mm. before the war. And I, I always remember that episode because I remember thinking, this is what brilliant um, sitcoms can do. It's why mm. British sitcoms don't do it anymore. But this is the reason why the likes of uh, Perry and Croft are, are in, uh, you know, like Galton and Simpson, like Fanay. 
and um, Ian Lafay and uh, oh my lord, uh, Dick Clement, a lot of John Sullivan, you know, uh, John Sullivan. All the, these are, are classic. You know, John Sullivan was the last of that ilk, wasn't he? I really I'd, think I'd, so. I'd, I'd even go so much as to say, as uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who actually wrote um, Last of Summer Wine, regardless of, of your personal, yeah, opinion, yeah, no, no, it's a well made. Yeah, the, the actual structure and the writing of it was very, very good. And to, to, he was the only person, like John Sullivan, the only person who wrote Only Falls and Horses and, and Fish and Chips. The same with the guy who wrote The Last of Summer Wine. I can't. Oh, I wish I could remember his name, but it's not. It's not going to come. Now, in 1971, like many British sitcoms of the time, Dad's Army was made into a feature film backed by Columbia Pictures. Um, but they they insisted on changes. One was recasting his Fraser as Mavis Pike, and also filming at Chelford St Giles rather than Thetford. This made the cast extremely unhappy. Uh-huh. Um, the film, uh, although I quite like, the I film, quite like the film. It's not a bad film. Um, it's you could tell the cast there's something about the cast that don't quite like doing it. The opening montage scenes where they're getting a uniform and they're walking in their underpants. Mannering's not there because Arthur Lowe just refused. He said, "No, I'm not. I'm not walking in my underwear in the street. I just don't do." But it. he was a classic. He classic was a classic actor. And the mystery, yeah, which we'll talk about. That, yeah. Now there was a stage show, and this stage show first started off in 1975, and it was uh, with songs and familiar scenes from the show and had individual turns from cast members. It was created by Roger Redfarm, who shares the same agent as the sitcom writer, so that's quite nicely uh, blended in there. Most of the principal cast transferred with it, with the exception of John Laurie, he was replaced by Hamish Roughhead, and followed by James Beck on Timely Death two years earlier, he was played by John Barden. Now, um, there was also Dad's Army, a nostalgic music and laughter show, Britain's Finest Hour, which opened in Billingham uh, in Teesside on the 4th of September. Great day, that one. My birthday, 1975, so I was two. Uh, for a two-week tryout, after cuts and revisions, the show transferred to London's West End and opened on Shaftesbury Theatre on the 2nd of October, 1975. On the opening night, there was a surprise appearance by Chesney Allen singing the old Flanagan and Allen song, Hometown, alongside Arthur Lowe. Uh, the show ran in the West End until February 1976, disrupted twice by bomb scares, and then toured the country until 4th of September, 1976, and Clive Dunn was replaced for the half a tour by Jack Haig, uh, who was actually David Coff's original choice for the role of Jones. Geoffrey Holland, most well known for being on Heidi High, went on to star, as I went on to start, he came in as well. Um, that didn't make sense then, but you get the idea that Geoffrey yeah, Holland yeah. came in. <laughs> um, in 2007, this is where you get to talk about your man, mm-hmm. a new stage show was announced with cast members, including uh, Peter Martin as Captain Mannering. Uh, he was most well known as being in Emmerdale. And Leslie Grantham as Private Walker. He was way too old for it as well, weren't he? Yeah, he was a bit. Yeah, I mean, this was his his comeback gig after being fired from. Uh, and we can no, we can no, we, we can talk about this because this actually happened, didn't it? Yeah. Now Leslie Grantham played a character called Dirty Den in EastEnders. Dirty Den was killed off around about nine eight. And, and growing up, Dirty Den was brilliant. Oh yeah, he was, he was a legendary. He was character. brilliant character. I know yeah. we're probably young to understand what it was all about. But we, we always liked him because yeah. he always got out. He always got. He always got out. He was, du- but he never explained why he was called Dirty Den, really. Because yeah, he was having an affair, wasn't he? Yeah, that was yeah, why. Yeah. But he was Dirty Den, and I never knew why he was Dirty I Den. Think, I think there was a backstory where he was a little bit, a bit like Walker, I suppose, a bit of a. If this involves razor blades slashing, no, I don't know. Vicky Bill's ass, like you always told me about. <laughs> You remember that rumour you used to spread? <laughs> that and uh, along with, what was the other one? Oh, uh, no, I uh, Brian Ferry being. Brian Ferry used to like suck blokes out of the back of the studio at Oysman. 
Uh, that was a joke uh, before we get sued. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, know, I, I think people know that's a joke, mate. You know, I think people really they're going yeah, to watch Roxy Music and ball. I can't listen to that album. The same man, anybody started watching. Now Leslie Glanfin was uh, came back, did a return to EastEnders. Apparently, he didn't die by being shot uh, and falling the canal. I think that was when we stopped watching it. Really, I mean, we watched yeah, the episode. Yeah. We come back. Yeah, I watched the episode. We come back. Hello, princess. Now, uh, according to um, uh, media, he was reported to um, be uh, doing a webcam chat with somebody, slagging off his cast members, sucking his finger in a provocative he way, won't, yeah. and possibly doing other things. We're not going to talk about it because um, we don't really want to. <laughs> no, it's just not you can use your imagination, listeners. And so, was subsequently sacked. And so, this was his first thing back from um, from from doing that. Uh, in Dad's Army. The stories done was a strike for Fraser, the loneliness of the long distance walker, room at the bottom, and deadly attachment. And those first three were they actually the lost episodes. So well, we, were, we were really excited when we heard about that. We, we were going to go to that, and also we were going to go and see Porridge, wasn't we, as well? Just... And that had Sean Williamson, but again, and the same with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, it's just mega. We, you know, Paul Merton, it's cost us what, 30 quid to see Paul Merton? I'd pay, that's good money, I don't mind that. Look at his first stand up in your 45 pounds. 45 pounds, oh, oh, come on, it's not on really. Anyway, um, many of the TV episodes were made for BBC Radio 4 with the original cast, although other actors played Walker after Joan Peck's death again. These radio versions were adapted by Howard Snowden and Michael Knowles and also starred John Snag as a news radar who, newsreader, say, who would set the scene for each episode. And you can buy these quite, mm. uh, quite valuable, like uh, Waterstones and everything like that. So, let's talk about the people who created this TV show. Jimmy Perry, uh, OBE, born 9th of September 1923 in uh, Barnes, London. Uh, David John Croft, Major David John Croft, born OBE, 7th of September. So, both September people, both Virgos, always good. 1927 to sadly the 27th of September 2011. Um, we We did toy the idea of bringing this Dad's Army podcast forward, didn't we? But... We started to get into the genre where a lot of people were dying, and it just seemed like we were doing podcasts. Cash in, I don't want to be that. No, I don't want people to think we just cash in. But that, that, we with uh, David Croft wrote with Jimmy Perry the following: Dad's Army, It Ain't Half Up, Mum, Heidi High, and You Rang Me Lord. Which, I, don't, I don't remember You Rang Me Lord. No, actually, I mean, generally all the same cast from Heidi High, I believe. Uh, Jimmy Perry, uh, sorry, David Croft wrote with Jeremy Lloyd, uh, Are You Being Served, uh, series one to eight. Come Back, Mrs. Noah, Oh Happy Band, Hello Hello, Series 1 to 6, Grace and Favour, which is a follow-up to uh, to Oh You've Been Served, oh. and Which Way to the War. Um, he also wrote Oh Dr. Beaching with Richard Spendler, so a good, a good resume of, uh, of work there. Really. Well, it's a, the, the heavy hitters of the 70s, weren't it? It's like yeah. 60s and the 70s, all that were. So all about our main cast. Cal, please feel free to jump in when I'm talking about these. Uh, we, we're not going to go into all their films or anything like that, because... They've done, a, excuse me. They've done an awful lot, especially John in Missouri. But and you're never too sure if I'm saying his name right. I think John in Missouri. I think it's Missouri or Missouri. Uh, not John the Measure. That's what it could be, but who knows? Anyway, uh, Arthur Lowe, of course, he played uh, Captain George Mannering. He was born on the 22nd of September 1955 in Hayfield, Derbyshire, and he passed away on the 15th of April 1982 in Birmingham. He had a serious stroke. Where was he born? 1915 oh. and he passed away on uh, in 1982 in Birmingham at the Alexander Theatre oh. where have we seen uh, Paul Merton on stage yep uh, no in his dressing room he had a major stroke I was thinking uh, now 
What do you think of that? I think if you're in that position, what apply, where to play style? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or like Tommy Cooper. People always said it was sad that Tommy so Cooper. So it's the only time you never want to die on stage. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like so Tommy Cooper's wife said about Tommy Cooper. Mm. He died with people laughing. Yeah. The last thing he would have heard was people, was people laughing. laughing. Yeah. And really, uh, yeah. What's worse, that or in an old people's home? That, exactly. And um, uh, who else died? Um, Sid, Sid James. James. Sid James died on stage. Yeah, I, I don't think it's... People go, oh, it's really sad. I don't think it's no, sad. you're dying what you love. Yeah, it's like, just where you're dying on your machine, and I'll be in the back of the number in a box. Hey! <laughs> now, I wonder if that'd be the same as a porn star. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bloody <laughs> stiff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't need no background this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he died at the Alexander Theatre. He was actually doing a a, um, a role a, a role with his wife Joan Cooper. Actually, died the same year. Um, now, there's an interesting thing with uh, Arthur Lowe, is that Arthur Lowe would, would try and get Joan in on anything he was working on. So they did things together. Um, she wasn't. She was a good actress, but she wasn't great. She was all right. So it kind of hindered Arthur Lowe's career, really. Because he wasn't, he wouldn't do roles without her being in. So he kind of hinted it. Uh, his ashes were actually scattered in Sutton Coldfield Church. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, his wife didn't didn't turn up for the funeral because she refused to not do the plays. She said he he would want me to carry on. Proper professionals, yeah, proper, isn't professional. proper professional people. Uh, John and Missouri. Oh, of course, no. Let's, sorry, Arthur Lowe. Cal, you mentioned it earlier on. What did Mr. we grow up with? Uh, so I first remember him was the voice of the Mister Man. Now, when I read the Mister Man to Isla, you think I do it. Because they got someone else to do the voices later on, didn't they? Yeah, later on it was John Alderton. But to me, it was, you know, he was, he was, I was going to say John Lowe then. John Lowe. Yeah, he was a dark player. I thought, for some reason, you know, we're coming out of Pet Shop Boys. That's Nick. Biggie Lowe, Nick. No. I forget it anyway. Too many Lowe's. John Le Missourier, the classic John Le Missourier. John, John Elton Le Missourier. Halili, I've probably said that one wrong again. 5th of April 1912 in Bedford and died 15th of November 1983, 871 in Ramsgate, Kent. He was married to June Melville, Hattie Jakes and mm. Joan Malin uh, until his death. Um, now, there's an interesting thing here. With, it, it's um, got a very interesting story about him anyway, hasn't it? Yeah, John, Hattie Jakes, it's, yeah. it's weird. Now, there is a, a, a lovely programme made about Hattie Jakes. Hattie, he was called Hattie. Called Hattie, yeah. And, uh, it's um, Ruth, uh, Ruth Jones. Ruth Jones, really. wonderful, wonderful. She's wonderful. really good. Really there's good. no doubt she's it's a weird, yeah. weird, weird scenario. Um, yeah, Hattie Jakes had an affair with, uh, was he a Spanish guy? He was guy? Young, young, a young, young Spanish guy. And uh, Le Mazure allowed the guy to move in. He moved upstairs into a different room. Uh, because he didn't want to leave, he still loved her and stuff. And he took, um, he actually took blame for the breakup in the press uh, to save uh, Hattie Jake's public image, uh, which goes to show really what he was a funny cat. He was a funny cat. He, he had a weird because I know loads of people said he was like a hippie before there was hippies. He was very much. He, he was he, ultimately laid back. He um, was laid back. He, he used drugs, didn't he? He was into. He was into a lot of that. Beaten it lifestyle, wasn't he? Yeah, he very much so. And I'll tell you, there's a thing in here that Hey Jake says. Um, his close friendship with comedian Tony Hancock was seriously tested in the early in his third marriage when his wife Joan left him for Hancock, but she returned a year later because obviously Hancock killed himself over in Australia. In private life, the actor was a heavy drinker, often seen with a drink in his hand, but never noticeably drunk. Hattie Jake's claim that his legendary calculate vague, calculated vagueness was the result of his reliance on extra strong cigarettes. <laughs> I think we know what, what kind of extra strong cigarettes they were. Towards the end of Dad's army, on medical advice, he, was, he gave up alcohol 
but became seriously ill and lost a great deal of weight, which you can see in the episodes. Friends relate that when he returned to drinking, he had seven more years of life and regained his jeu de voir. Yeah. His last word before slipping into a coma was reportedly, it's all been rather lovely. Yeah, he's a brilliant... <laughs> he's, he's the style of Britain, or Englishman, should I say, that you don't get anymore. Yeah. That, you know, a free spirit... But not for to be in the papers. Yes, yeah. Most people are free spirits now because they want to get the name or they want to become infamous. He, he was private for him. He did yeah. it all behind his doors, didn't he? Yeah, he and he was a troubled man. There's no doubt he had troubles because the thing so. that Jake's, we've talked about this before. Could you imagine? Doing no, 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 no. You'd kill him. Yeah. But or he, kill he, yourself. He, he some maybe. It was he, very weird. He must have been having a lot more of those extra. Uh, I think that's. I think he probably does medicate himself with drink and drugs so much he didn't mm. care. He's a sad story, really. It is actually. Yeah, it's he, a sad story, isn't he's, it? He self penned his own death notice for the Times, which said that uh, to let everyone know that he conked, he conked out and he would be sadly missed by his friends and family. Uh, Clive Dunn, OBE. Clive Robert Benjamin Dunn, born 9th of January 1920, so he's now 92, 93 years old. In Covent Garden, he now lives in Portugal. Uh, he's been retired really since 1984. After Grand, after, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Dunn has been in loads of stuff, it's like Will Hay and The Boys Will Be Boys. Um, but I think we'll probably most recognise him for being as Grandad. Grand- oh, I remember Grandad before Dad's Army. Yeah, yeah, because it would have been when we were uh, really Yeah, but there. what happened? We talked about this before. What happened in the episode of Grandad? No idea. And also, another, <laughs> another role in which he's playing someone on the way <laughs> yeah, uh, John Lovey, John Patent Lovey, born the 25th of March 1897 in Dumfries and died the 23rd of June 1980 in uh, Charlton Street in Peter Buckinghamshire. Uh, married uh, two times. Now, Lowry, not a bit of interest in fact, Lowry was the son of William Lowry, 1903, a clerk in a tweed mill, and later a hatter and hosier, and Jesse Ann Lowry. He was a pupil at Dumfries Academy and abandoned a career in architecture to serve in the First World War. Lowry was left particularly haunted by his experience. He once asked Jim Perry to stop showing a piece of film of the war, which is part of the piece Perry was filming about First World War veterans, saying, Turn it off, son. I simply can't watch this. Mm, yeah. James Beck. Uh, uh, born Stanley James Carroll Beck on the 21st of February 1929 he was only 44 when he died on the 6th of August 1973 uh, he'd been in another episode uh, a poem called Romany Jones uh, his filmography was obviously only quite short his Carry On Loving Groupie Girl Dad's Army the film and Love Thy Neighbour uh, by 1973 Beck had already recorded five series of Dad's Army and was recording on the 6th as well as working on the radio series of the show location filming for series 6 was completed when whilst opening a fate in the aid of the guide dogs for the blind he suddenly fell ill he returned home and within an hour was rushed to Queen's Mary's Hospital in Rotherham uh, sorry in Roehampton suffering from pancreatitis he died three weeks later and was buried in Putney Vale Cemetery um, very much a little bit like uh, Gary Horton when he, he, in Alfreda's own pair he'd filmed all his location scenes but of course all his studio scenes yeah. were not there so yeah that's to... really weird because when we did that because mm. I didn't know that mm. and once you tell people yeah. you'd see it then you see that and you can't watch it without noticing it but you'd never notice if you didn't know nah, nah. Arnold Ridley uh, your favourite oh well Godfrey uh, William Arnold Ridley born 7th of January 1896 now I believe let's go back and look a minute here uh, when was John Lowry 1897 1896 so there's only a year in it for them mm-hmm. of age uh, on 7th of January 1896 died 12th of March 1984 uh, actor and playwright 
Uh, he, he's got a really nice little backstory, so I'll just read you this out of mm. what I find is interesting. Ridley was a student teacher and made his theatrical debut in Punella at the Theatre Royal Bristol when he volunteered for British Army service in August 1914. He was rejected due to a toe injury, but in 1915 he was able to enlist as a private in a Somerset Light Infantry. He saw active service in the First World War, sustaining severe, serious injuries. Huh? His left arm was left virtually useless by his injuries sustained on the Somme. His legs were riddled with shrapnel, and the legacy, uh, legacy of a blow to the head by a German soldier's rifle butt left him prone to blackouts. Oh. He was medically discharged from the army with the rank of Lance Corporal, and after the war he went into acting. In 1918, he joined Birmingham Repertory Theatre, staying for two years and playing 40 parts before moving on to Plymouth, where he eventually had a break from stage when his war injuries began to trouble him. And that is the reason why he walks like he does in Dad's arm. Ah, oh, that makes... I didn't know that. I always wondered why that. Yeah. He had a funny little walk, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, and that's the reason why. But doesn't this show you then the difference in the world then? You could be in the war, leave the army, and then just go into acting. Oh, yeah. It's like you saying, what, that roughy thought, I'm going to be a rep and be an actor. Oh, it doesn't seem going to happen. I would love to. <laughs> yeah, it ain't going to happen, is it? So, Ian Lavender, uh, born uh, in... Uh, sorry, born in, I should, we should know this, 16th of April, uh, 16th of February, not to get these facts right, yeah. uh, 16th of February, 1946, in Birmingham. <laughs> He's a Brummie. Uh, he's a lifelong supporter of Aston Villa hence the reason why yeah. Pike's uh, scarf he's, uh, he's clad in blue isn't it yeah. Bill Pertwee bought a wonderful book that I just bought only the other day about his filming days in uh, Dad's Army I'll lend it to you it's great little really good yeah. Yeah. born William Desmond Anthony Pertwee on the 21st of July 1926 in Amersham Bert is president of the Dad's Army Appreciation Society and the author as I just said of the book Dad's Army the Maker of a Television Legend he is a distant cousin of John Frank Williams still going Frank Williams uh, and so is Bob Burley, obviously uh, born 2nd of July 1931 in Hampstead uh, he's a regular uh, visitor to do anything to do with Dad's army uh, he always turns up for the, the fates and do they do, the, a con- do they convention? yeah they do little conventions and he always he always yeah. turns up there Edward Sinclair who played the Virgin born 3rd of July 1914 in Oldham and died 29th of August 1970 Seven. So, shall we have uh, Patrick Stratford's email? That is on, yeah. uh, Patrick. Hey guys, didn't have the chance to put together some audio feedback, so here's my written thoughts on the legend that is Dad's Army. What can I say about the show that hasn't already been said? Thank you. Uh, the fact that the BBC still repeat it to this day is a testament to the show's long-lasting legacy. The acting and writing have made the show what it is, and shows have a good sitcom can be produced without pandering to the obvious and the stupidity that we mostly get in modern British comedy today. BBC Three, sorry, BBC Three makes you want to go out and kill a comedian, but I digress. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on other David Cross comedies, especially a and Hot Mom. Having recently bought the very best of Don Estelle and Windsor Davies from iTunes, mm. I've started thinking about that particular show a lot. It tends to be ignored and dismissed as being racist by people who've never seen a single episode. Well said. Another person on my hit list. <laughs> Perhaps we could have a waffle on about David Croft or Yana Hartman itself. Anyway, keep on the sterling work, and as usual, I look forward to hearing what you have to say about Dad's Army. With thanks. And uh, well, thank you, Patrick. Very nice comment there, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, as we mentioned, if you want to know a little bit more about Dad's Army, uh, please do seek out the Dad's Army podcast, which you can find on iTunes uh, or on their own website. Just type it into Google. Uh, or of course you can join the Dad's Army Appreciation Society or new, welcome, new members welcome 
Uh, that's it for this episode. Remember, we have mini episodes coming out all over the place. We're tending to do two episodes a month, Maker. Ooh. Don't know if it's boosting our subscription, mate. Yeah. Uh, no idea what our next episode will be. We'll think we'll talk about it at work and then. We'll talk about it in the week and then we'll met, let everyone know. So thanks for joining us, Kel. Thanks very much. Thank you very much to you. And we'll see you next month. Bye bye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And we're the co-hosts of Take Him With You, a podcast that's like a reality TV show, but it's not. Come get the juicy details of our life here at the Moyer household. Including geeky technology updates. Movie and TV reviews. And a discussion on a life situation where you get to share on Facebook and Twitter through the impromptu question of the week. Plus cool music and our spiritual perspective. Meds and Kel. You are the Waffle On champions. Yes. And after you listen to this great Waffle On podcast, you can waffle on over to our podcast at takenwithyou.com. We'd love to have you. And eat waffles. <laughs> With raspberry jam. No, no. Maple mm. syrup. Strawberries and whipped cream. Maple syrup and butter. Mm, butter's okay. The strawberries and whipped cream. Join us for the Taken With You podcast, your weekly dose of reality in a good way. Hopefully a good way. Yeah. That's (laughs) that's the point. Yeah. Hello, I'm Dan and this is Lee. Hello. And together we are Lee and Dan's Midnight Movie Club. You see, every week we come together and we review classic popcorn movies of the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> For example, so far we've reviewed Teen Wolf. Which is great. Teen Wolf 2. Which was awful. The Last Starfighter. Which was great. Cannonball Run. Awful. Army of Darkness. Awesome. <laughs> Police Academy. Mission to Moscow. Not so awesome. Worst film in the history of mankind. And Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The second worst film in the history of mankind. So if you want to hear more of our highly intelligent, uh, incisive film critique, come over to midmoclub.com. That's M-I-D-M-O club.com and check out our podcast. Or you could just type Midnight Movie Club into iTunes if you have iTunes. Yes. If you don't have it, it'll be harder. That's right. So we'll hope we'll uh, you'll listen to us soon. Uh, to be fair, though, I quite like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, you're an idiot. Eleven teams of two in an exciting race around the world to win one million dollars on The Amazing Race. I'm Joyce. And I'm Al. On our show, The Amazing Race Fast Forward Podcast, we'll recap each weekly episode of The Amazing Race, give you a rundown on each team, and tell you our predictions on who we think will cross the mat in first place each week, and ultimately win the $1 million prize. We'll also share listener predictions and other interesting information we pick up along the season. Check out the Fast Forward Podcast in iTunes. Or at fastforwardtar.com. And we'll see you... At the Fast Forward. Big Brother? No. Survivor? No. The Office? Angela, then what do we talk about? Gaming, sci-fi, fantasy, and geek stuff. Really? Yes. Cool. (laughs) I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. 
and you need to listen to the Anomaly Podcast, where female and fandom converge. Find us online at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. As an aquabus that was used at Waterloo With the biggest stirrup pump, a pitchfork and a rake It's rather hard to guard an aerodrome So if you can't oblige us with the Bren gun The home guard might as well go home Would you please oblige us with the Bren gun We're getting rather tired of drawing lots Today we had a shipment some curious equipment. And just for a prank, they sent us a tank that ties itself in knots. On Monday's rock invasion, Captain Clark was heard to say we hadn't even got to brush or comb. So if you can't oblige us with the blend, gun, the home gun might as well go home. Colonel Montmorency planned in case the enemy tried to land to fling them back by skill and armoured force. He realised his army should be mechanised, of course. But somewhere inside, experience cried, my kingdom for a horse. Horse! Colonel Montmorency tried an infinite cost of time and pride to tackle his superiors again. But having just one motorbike, 14 swords and a marlin spike, he wrote the following letter in the following urgent strain. Would you please oblige us with the Bren gun? We need one rather badly, I'm afraid. Our local crossword solver has an excellent revolver. But during a short attack on a fort, the trigger got mislaid. In course of operation planned for Friday afternoon, our orders are to storm the Hippodrome. So if you can't oblige us with the Bren the Thank you. 